recording in progress. Hello. Recording. I, I said progress. Progress. <laughs> recording in progress. Recording in progress. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. baby. Hi, Carlene. Hello, Alma. <laughs> Take. <laughs> like three? Three. Or something like, like that. <laughs> so we're having dog issues tonight I don't have our usual um, Doggy daddy babysitter I mean they're being okay So they all want to be in here with us So it could get a little crowded And a little weird There's going to be some dog blasts We're just, oh yeah Well they've been having a pretty good diet And they've been pretty oh. good And I'm going to knock on wood Well, Now that we said it <laughs> We're going to get blasted Tonight we're drinking Prophecy Red Blend 2016. <gasps> Mosquito one. right in front of you. There you go. Shake it. Oh, no. Did I get it? Nope. Did I get it? I think you did. Okay, what do I do? <laughs> okay, ready? I hope you're in there. It's like a magic trick. <laughs> <laughs> no mosquito here. No mosquito here? Let's see. Is there a mosquito in the tissue? Because I don't see one flying around right now. I don't now, either. So. And I shook it up. Oh! Well, I did it! I killed it. Yay! You're welcome, everybody. It was a juicy one. We are drinking Prophecy Red Blend 2016. Mm. The Lovers. And it's really good. It's mm-hmm. like has like a berry taste. There's a berry taste. Yeah. I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna trust your taste buds. It goes with our grapes. Yes, our grapes that look like green eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about the Phoenix Suns. Yes. Congratulations to them. Yes. And they're, uh, I'm sure they listen to us. So yeah, I know. We should no, just tell just them. Just for all the Phoenix Suns fans, because we have a lot of people. Honestly, you know that what are I told- actually in Arizona that. Listen. Well, first of all, did you see how many were in California cheering them on? Really? Oh my gosh, they so many. But I will say, the Suns have really good fans. Mm-hmm. There, there was a time that I was like, you know, kind of sucks. Like if you're a true blue fan, you're always a fl- a flan, mm-hmm. even when they're doing bad. Yes. So like, you know, people in Boston, what is it, the Boston Red Sox? They're like diehards, right? Even when they're never winning, but. I noticed, like, oh, the Diamondbacks aren't doing well, so people start poo-pooing on them. Well, yeah, that's not going to beef up their morale and make them win. The Cardinals don't do well, then people poo-poo on them. The Suns have a pretty good fan base, I think. I mean, people poo-poo on them, too. But I really like this coach. I like that he's got some old school in him. Mm -hmm. And... um, I don't know. There's something I really like about them. There's really good chemistry this year with this team, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But anyway, I think that we need to be more diehard with our teams. Like, I think that's what keeps them going, even when they're not doing well. Because I think they get to a point where, like, oh, why should we do well? I think it was a a gift after the shitty year last year. Yeah. And, like, it was a total gift this year. Yeah. I mean, they fought. They worked hard. Anyways, I did want to talk about the wine because mm-hmm. I had a bad week last week. Mm. You did too? <laughs> I know you did. But last week when I went to edit our last episode Oh, on yes. Monday, yes, you did have a crappy um, time. I spent like most a good portion of the day editing. I felt so bad for you. And I got down to the last like 10 minutes 
And I was like, oh, I'm almost done. I'm almost <laughs> done. I'm almost done. My freaking computer just mm. completely froze up. And this computer doesn't do let me do control delete. Mm. So I just sit there and wait. And then finally I was like, all right, I'm going to shut it down. Usually when I do that, because it's happened to me before while I was in the middle of editing, because I've called you like freaking out before. Yeah. It lets me just pick up. It like has a, it saves it and yeah. says, hey, you didn't shut down correctly. This file didn't, do you want to recover this file? Most computers will do that, yeah. I think. Well, and this program, mm, mm-hmm. Audacity. So it did that. Oh, okay. But when I went to click on the file, it told me that it couldn't find it. It couldn't retrieve it. So anyways, mm. long story short. Like it got I, corrupt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I started like playing with it and like I tried a bunch of different things and it was like, finally it was like, nope, I'm not letting you do this. It's corrupted. So that's when I called you or I texted you and <laughs> I, I was like, oh my so God. bad. <laughs> yeah. So, and it was really late at night already and I mm-hmm. was like, Ugh. And by the time I had done, like, all the, like, whatever I tried to recover it, like, it was already late. So. And I'm like, do we have to re-record the whole thing? And you're like, we are not re-recording. No, because it was the Black Eyed Children. Oh, yeah, it was. And then I was like, well, listen, like, my whole theory is. I blame the Black Eyed Children. Yes. And my whole thing is, like, don't, don't sweat it. Like, if it's stressing you out that bad, that, to me, it's not even worth we we can re-record if we have to, or there's got to be another way. And then you came up with the other way. Which was, thank God, <laughs> that we record on Zoom as well mm-hmm. for Patreon, and they have a separate audio file. Mm-hmm. So I was like, the next morning I was like, okay, I'm going to try and pull this off of here. So I didn't go on to Audacity. I actually have Audition on the Adobe Creative. I have the whole thing because I do the the little movies and whatever. And we've mm-hmm. had it. We've been paying for it forever. Mm. Albert got it for me so that we could do this. <laughs> but he had it on his computer. He's like, just use my computer. I'm like, no, oh my that's God. just a whole big process. I don't want to do that. And then now I have it on my computer, but it's so robust compared to Audacity. Like, it's like very intimidating for me. It's mm. a whole other learning process. Well, anyways, I got to dive into that last week mm. and kind of start playing around with it. So anyways, it forced me. <laughs> <laughs> forced my hand anyways that was that but the next day uh carlene was like hey i'm sending you your ber- your belated birthday <laughs> present and i was like okay that's cool yeah. like i wasn't inspe- expecting anything no. but it was like the it was not late it was came at the perfect time <laughs> because i had spent most of the morning like i did the the zoom edited that oh ended up mm. putting that out on youtube for everybody yeah Instead of like what we usually do for Patreon and then spent the day editing the Zoom file and I was kind of mentally exhausted. I know I could tell. I'm like, what can I do? Oh my gosh, I'm doing this. Which was awesome. And I like picked all the yummy things. Yeah, she sent me ice cream, which I tackled (laughs) right away. Literally, like I had got my blankie and a pillow and turned on the TV, put on my favorite show because I was just ready. I was done. And it was like, it was, what? oh, it was Monday. And Mm -hmm. like on a Monday, usually like I'm working until Albert's done working. And then, but he walks in because he just happened to be like working out of the garage that day. Mm -hmm. He walks in and I was like already on the couch. It was like probably like four (laughs) o'clock with my pillow. And he's like, you're not feeling good? And I was like, "Mm mm-mm. I'm done. 
and I didn't sleep very well anyways oh, because I was stressing about right. it. I was like, yeah, I'm done. She, she's digging as she digs into her Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Oh, you no, know, no, it's no, a bad no. day for a woman. <laughs> if she's digging into Ben and Jerry's. If, if she eats a whole thing of Ben uh, and Jerry's. I yeah. like. That's a good one though. The one I got. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was uh half baked or something. Like yeah. That. It was half baked. Yeah. Mm, good. And then uh, I don't remember what can I got you a candle, right? Yeah. It's a lavender. lavender. Yeah. Lavender. Yeah. It does I don't even need to light it. It, does like, smell it makes good? the room smell smell mm. good. And a face mask, right? Couple of them. Oh, couple of them. Yeah. That's right. So it was nice a little spa treatment. <laughs> and so, wine. And wine. This wine that we're <laughs> drinking today, which obviously I didn't drink. She was then. supposed to drink that day, but yeah. it's all right. We're drinking it now. I'm I'm a social drinker. <laughs> I am too, but if I'm having a bad day, I don't have a problem filling having up a, a glass. glass of wine. Yeah, it has to be pretty bad though. Yeah. Like, but you had a bad day today, so we just. Uh... <laughs> I could not wait. I'm like, um, I'm gonna need a shot. Yeah, and I said I'll line them up. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good shot. Yeah, it was. Doesn't even make you like. <gasps> it just goes down, Did and I... then at the end you get a little bite, and you're like, hmm, what is that? <laughs> We're like, is that nutmeg? Is it cumin? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it was Cuban. I don't think so either, but I just didn't, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. It has, it has a spicy kick. Well, we couldn't really quite taste it. I can't remember the name of it right now. Yeah. So I also wanted to let you guys know before we jump into our stories. Oh, wait. Did you oh. hear about Bill Cosby? Fucking bullshit. What the fuck? It's such bullshit. You know what? Oh, he didn't get, he, he, we don't feel he got a fair trial. Well, you know what? Neither did the women who got victimized. Exactly. And now they're getting <clears throat> victimized again. Yeah. How fucked up is that? And now, as I was leaving to come here, I'm listening to the news talk about uh, wine, Harvey Wine, Weinstein. No, Weinstein. Stupid. Okay. Anyway, they're saying that he is literally celebrating in jail right now, in prison, because he thinks that because Bill got off, Mm -hmm. that he's going to get off also. Let's hope not. Uh Uh-uh. That's bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. Total bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Money will buy you anything, I guess. All right. So I, I did a thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> if I say I did a thing, then you should say, uh-oh. <laughs> okay. So I did a thing. Yeah. And then you're like, what did, What the fuck did you do? <laughs> well, because remember how we talked before about pa- Patreon? In the beginning, we thought that you could just be one and done on Patreon. You could mm-hmm. just make your donation and that's it. But it, apparently you can't. We learned that a while back. Right. But there's this new service out there called Coffee or Mm -hmm. Kofi. I'm not sure. It's K-O-F-I. Yeah. So I went and enrolled us on that service. So it's basically you can support us for the price of a cup of coffee. And it is one time. One time. And it is one and done. So I just. Or you can do whenever you feel like it. Yeah. You have an extra five bucks. Oh, hey, their show was good this time. I'm going to tip them five bucks. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, this was a rocking show. I'm going to give them a tip. Things like Patreon, it's a, it's a, it feels like a commitment. And yeah. I'm like a commitment phobe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. <laughs> well, I just don't like, I don't like putting my credit card out there anyway. Yeah, exactly. But exactly. Whatever. But yeah, so like, hey, you guys did good. I'm going to give you a $5 tip. If this you like show- the services we provide tonight. <laughs> <laughs> that show sucked. I'm giving you nothing. 
That Any- show was good. I'm giving you $10. Anyways, I put it on our links in Instagram and on Facebook. Um, but I'll give it to you guys here tonight. It's uh, Kofi or Coffee, like I told you, ko-fi.com forward slash tipsy tales podcast. So ko-fi.com forward slash tipsy tales podcast. And if you want to support us and it's just, just be, another... get it over with like once, yeah. once like or once cool. in a while. Yeah. But and then I know for me, like I don't always have the extra funds. But right. If I, when I do, I like to be able to share it with others, you know. Yeah. And my thing with like stuff like Patreon is like, I don't always know what my bank, especially no. in the last year yeah. and a half, what my bank account is going to look like. Even two dollars so, sometimes is a lot to yeah. me. Yeah. Well, two dollars, especially if you've already overdrawn yeah. your bank account right. is a lot. Right. So anyways, just letting you guys know that's out there just in case. Yeah. No pressure or anything. Ding, ding. The happy lush I am. <laughs> I'm reading what her mug says. A lot of people went out and watched it on uh, YouTube. Not by a lot of people, I mean like ten or less, like thirty. <laughs> oh, what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. We had. I'm rounding people. up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's like twenty-two. <laughs> it was twenty-eight. Ooh, so. nice. Got some a compliment oh. by Jamie. Did you see it? I think, yeah. I think, you, yeah, 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 yeah. When that one that she was like, my God, that Carlene, she sure is stunning. That one? <laughs> yeah, with that one. <laughs> I don't know how you put her on YouTube. She's so beautiful. She's oh, wait, like, that one? Yeah, that one. She's like, <laughs> it was nice to put a face to voice. Yeah, that's true. It I helps that she that. knows me. Huh? She does know you? <laughs> she doesn't know me. It's nice to see who the crazy one that I don't know looks like. Anyways, yeah, I'm, I am definitely blaming that whole situation on the Black Eyed Children. And oh, my God. When you said, I'm not kidding. we could record it over again, I was like, no, I'm fucking done. I'm fucking done. No. I am. I that don't want to touch this scary. ever again. Yeah. That was scary. Yeah. You know what? On its face, it's not that scary. Like, Ooh, but there was just me something just thinking super about it. creepy about it, mm-hmm. and I have no idea what it was. Like, because you know what? If you picture, <laughs> picture him. I'm starting to freak you out with my eye. <laughs> were, were you trying to make your eyes turn yeah. black? <laughs> if you turn black, turn black. If you picture them with their black eyes and just like their monotone voice and yeah, driving your car down the street and they're like, can I get in? I need help. I need a ride. And then wearing out of date clothes on top of that. Like I'm a very observant person. So I would like that. I would pick that out right away. Like I'd be like, what is up with your clothes, dude? I'd be like, fuck. Wine makes me yawn makes you yawny well i I, think it doesn't help that we had a shot shot, and then we had dinner did you see it are we gonna are we gonna do this the whole podcast i don't know i just don't want it landing in my drink or sucking my blood anyways i don't have something scary to talk about but i do have something about a very real monster a monster a very real monster a human monster do it do it and before i get into my story yeah i finally realized because i was like what is she doing hers on and i was like and then i like typed it in and i was like oh we started watching it i watched it like two weeks ago mm-hmm. and our started falling asleep on me and oh. i was like 
are you going to sleep? Are you going to sleep? And he was like, babe, I'm tired. I'm like, okay, I'm turning this off. I can't I don't watch, watch that shit. But um, thanks to Philip, I was like, <clears throat> I told him, like, I don't watch that scary shit. And he's like, well, I want to know, like, the real story. Right. So I ended up watching it while I was dog sitting. Connor's uh-huh. dogs. And it was daytime. So it, was, it, was, it didn't scare me. Well, it's good to watch it in the daytime, too. Yeah, the daytime helps. Mm-hmm. But I was alone. Then I thought... Nobody knows what we're talking about. Yeah. We've kind of gone on this little tangent, but nobody knows. But then I... It's okay. They'll figure it out. It's a mystery. (laughs) Then I told you it was going to be a true crime story. Right. And then I'm like... Because I was going to do more... Like, because Philip said he wants... Like, dig into the true story. And then I started to do that. And then I'm like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to do the 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 scary part part of it. So... Oh, I can't wait to hear it. So then you were like, should I just go ahead? I'm like, no. Yeah, because I was like, okay, I can do the paranormal. And you're like, no. Once I started digging into it, I'm like. There's paranormal. You're you're fine. You're fine. (laughs) This shit's freaky. Which is good because the story I'm doing was actually um, recommended to us by one of our listeners, Dana. Oh, you, you're doing it. Oh, good for you. Yeah. You didn't tell me. Oh, I didn't? No, I'm glad you're doing it. Good. Yeah. All right, Dana. Dana. Oh, I'm excited. Should we, just, should we just get into it? Just do it. Just go. All right. Dive so. in, girl. Wait, how many big old pages you got going? Because mine's going to be long, I think. Oh, yours not too bad. Not too bad. All right. We're good. Okay. My story is on a would-be vampire king. <laughs> Wait, which one is this? Or God. Marcus Wesson. Oh, I didn't look into it because yeah. you said you were going to look into yeah. it. So I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And honestly, I don't know whether I should thank you, Dana, or be upset with you because. Or cursor. Yeah, because. No, it, it, this is a good story to read. Okay. But it's just, I'm going to just put this out there right now. Trigger warning. Because there's child molestation and there's rape. There's a lot of subjects. Yeah. Icky stuff. So, you know, if you guys want to skip on Ooh. to Carlene's story at this point, this is the time to do it because it's going to get gruesome. Start. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, we we talk about monsters all the time. Mm. We explore monsters all the time when you're talking about the paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. But we also talk about the monsters. The, the real life monsters. The, the real life monsters. And this dude's a monster. Mm. Well, just this there is this. It's all energy. Yeah. So spirit, evil, human evil, they're all the same. They're all energy. I always feel like when we're on the true crime side, those are the real monsters. Yes. Rarely ever on the paranormal side when we're talking Mm -hmm. about what people envision as monsters. Right. They usually don't turn out to be actual. They're not as scary as this shit. I always, what do I always say to you? The real monsters are I am not afraid of the paranormal stuff Mm -hmm. i am afraid i'm more afraid if you tell when you told me you saw a shadow man (laughs) i panicked more like because i kept saying like a real real man or or like a ghost man (laughs) had you said a ghost man i would have been like okay but a physical world person that's more scary don't you agree yeah i totally agree Totally agree. Way more yeah. scary. Mm, drink some of these eyeballs. Okay. Eyeballs. Mm-hmm. You drink those eyeballs. Mm. All right. So, yeah, like I said, we're going to discuss Marcus Wesson. I'm just going to rip the band aid off and go straight into the. What well, did just oh, there. now? Wait. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Also, I don't know if I mentioned that we have all the dogs in here. They're doing so good. They're behaving. All right. Not gonna all right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right. So just going to go straight into that horrific, fateful day of March 12, 2004 in Fresno, California. Whoa. That recent? Yeah. It's recent. Ugh. So the police had been called to what they thought was a domestic child custody mm-hmm. dispute, having absolutely no clue as to the hell that was going to be unleashed that day. They were outside of what would come to be known as the Wesson family compound. There was a, a group of family outside of the house disputing with a group inside of the house. So it was like two large factions of this family. Well, the fact that it's called a compound means that there's a lot, I'm assuming. Yeah, well, when I read that compound, mm-hmm. it's not, it wasn't a very big, it was like a old office, like converted into a a living space mm. but it wasn't very big mm. it wasn't very big if you look at the pictures why are they it's calling very... the compound then because of the subject matter probably oh okay so anyways there's this heated heated dispute going on between mm. these two uh the people inside and the people outside and the police are called and i don't know if it was from the neighbors or if it was from the family mm. that called the police but it was over children they were being denied that there was two women who had brought a large group with them who had come to get their children, um, two seven-year-old boys mm. that were inside the house and they were being denied their children. And so Wait, the, the, and they don't live there? At No, not at this point. What the hell? Yeah. It's like so, a cult. Yeah, That's spot insane. on. Mm-mm. All right, so at the center of all of this is this 57-year-old Marcus Wesson. Mm. He uh, cuts an intimidating large figure with lengthy tangle of graying dreadlocks. Mm-mm. He's just, he's, I think they said he was like 5'9", which isn't That's not very super tall. tall to me, but he was also very hefty. Uh, if you see a picture of him, he does look very intimidating to me. Mm. What's his name? Wesson? Marcus Wesson. Marcus Wesson. I'm pulling him up. He's also the uncle to the women oh. demanding their children. And he's the father of said children. Wait, that are what? in the house. What? He's the uncle to the girls that are asking for their children. And he's and the, the father, father to, the... to the children. No. Yes. So that if that gives you any clue of where we're heading. If this gives you any clue of what kind of person we're dealing with. <laughs> just going to show you all right now. Despite all the chaos and the fact that he looks so intimidating. Yeah. Um, in contrast to the panic in these women like that are trying to express to these cops like the urgency of getting their children out of this house. Right. Marcus is very calm, cool, and collected. Well, I think people like that usually because they don't think anything's going to happen to them. Mm-hmm. And he's like talking to the police and the police mm-hmm. are like, you need to bring the kids out. And, the, and he... He agrees. He oh, says, wait, what? He says, okay, give me a minute to say goodbye and get them all their clothes and whatever. And what he shuts do? the door. Just listen. Oh, my God. I, I don't even Just listen. This is going to give me an ulcer. It probably is. Dana. Dana, right? Yes. Dana. Shame on you. <laughs> I needed two shots for this one. Yeah, we should have had two shots. So the cops agree to let him do what he says and he shuts the door behind him. So what happens next still haunts everyone that was there, including all the first responders that were there that night. There is a tense hour-long wait outside, hour 
hour and a half. What it the was more like an hour and a half outside the like, small Fresno house. Oh, as he's like chopping up people. Afterwards, and afterwards, oh the neighbors would say, kidding? listen, just listen. <laughs> I can't even. It's hurting my stomach. And afterwards, the neighbors. Yeah. Mm-mm. You know, what? I didn't do my usual my usual thing where like. I listen to a thousand YouTubes and what yeah. I I only listened to a couple times and finally just read it because I was just like I can't I can't do see this. that's how I get with some of them yeah, where I'm I like just, I'm done I'm over it anyways like I said there's this yeah. tense hour long way outside the Fresno house and afterwards neighbors would say that they heard gunshots <gasps> however the police claim they they heard, didn't hear any all the while those nieces that are there for their children like they're panicked they're both their names are Ruby Ortiz and Sofina Solorio, and it's their seven-year-old boys that they're asking for. Seven years yes. old? Oh, no. This is going to break my heart. They begged the police to storm the house and get them because they believed the boys were in imminent danger, mm-hmm. and those pleas were ignored. Mm-mm. And also because the cops felt like their hands were tied because mm-hmm. they did it at this point. They didn't have a search warrant and they didn't have any cause to believe that the kids were in danger other than what the mothers were saying, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, well, always believe a mother. Exactly. Almost... Have we not learned anything? If you've learned anything at all listening to this <laughs> podcast... Listen to the mothers. So almost an hour and a half later, Marcus emerged from the house. His clothes were soaked in blood. Motherfucker. Inside, the police would find nine bodies. Mother. Just like a horror scene. Motherfucker. Stacked on top, one on top of the other, ranging in ages from one years old to 25. Ouch. Motherfucker. Most of them were under the age of eight. They had a single single gunshot through the eye. What? And I'm just going to tell you the victims' names. Um, One-year-old Java Saint. Okay, I don't even know if I want to say these names because... You'll find out why. It's St. Vladensbury Wesson. Hmm. Four-year-old Ethan St. Laurent Wesson. Two-year-old Marshy or Marche St. Christopher Wesson. Two-year-old Sidonio Solorio Wesson. Seven-year-old Jonathan St. Charles Wesson. Seven-year-old Aviv Dominique Wesson. Eight-year-old Illabel Carrie Wesson. And 17-year-old Elizabeth Brahe Kina Weston. And uh, finally, Sabrina April Wesson, who was 25. Mm. So it would take hours before the police could determine how many victims there were and several days before they were all identified. Mm. The scene was made even more macabre by the fact that there were 12 coffins that were stacked against walls throughout the house. DNA testing would discover just how truly horrifying this situation really was. So who the fuck was Marcus Wesson? Well, if you ask him, he'd probably tell you he was some sort of he vampire Jesus. Oh. He mm. thinks he's I a he vampire was god. Say he was like God. Yeah. yeah. Born in Kansas, the eldest of eight, he was raised in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. Mm. Mm-hmm. His mother, according to him, was a religious fanatic, pot mm-hmm. meat kettle, who <laughs> has strict daily Bible regimen and whipped her children frequently with the telephone cord. Oh my god. His father was an abusive alcoholic, child molester, who had been molesting his own children. Uh, he eventually abandons them and runs off with one of his male teenage relatives. Uh-huh. Yeah. So great upbringing. 
and that's in a nutshell. I'm not going to go into all the fucking details, Man, but there is a lot I more. Just feels, I kind, I just feel bad for everybody all um, around. Marcus himself is described as a kind boy boy who liked to sing and loved to play preacher this penchant would no doubt carry into his adult life yeah he probably started out pure and sweet and kind and loving and then because he got messed with as a little boy and abused he turned into the monster satan he served in vietnam as an army medic and was honorably dis honorably dis charged he settled in san jose california um and this is in the 60s where he meets rose maiterena she was 13 years old older oh. than him older than him oh 13 She's, years yeah, older yeah, than him which is probably the oldest person he gets with in this whole story oh, interesting and she already has eight children when they hook mm. up they end up having a son together Rose had an eight-year-old daughter who he pays, pays special attention to, and Mm-mm. her name's Elizabeth. He claims that God told him Elizabeth was his wife. No. He begins sexually abusing her when she is 12. And when he is 27 and Elizabeth was 14, he impregnates her. Mm-mm. To make matters worse, her mother's only reaction to this whole thing was wait until she's old enough to get married to her. What the fuck? Yeah, which is 15. Oh, my God. My reaction would be him. I'm going to cut your penis with off. his balls strung, yeah, yeah, from a ceiling fan or something. Um, <laughs> this is 1974. <laughs> You're all like, you went straight to cut the, the yeah, <laughs> cut the balls off. Yeah, fuck the balls. The whole thing. The whole thing. Today, <laughs> I would have lo- Lorena bobbed it. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have thrown that shit in the fucking no. field for him to find either. Hell no. Together, they would have ten more children together. Ten more children. This was the young girl, the fifteen-year-old girl. So t- she was twelve. Over the years, then she then fifteen, then she has all those other kids. Yeah, and I think she has ten children by the time she's twenty-eight years old. Oh my god! So in researching this story, I had to keep reminding myself that he began grooming her when she was very, very young. So what yes. happens in the years to come? Um, even though like it's super horrific and disgusting. It's not surprising considering she had no other worldview other than what he allowed mm-hmm. her to know. Right, right. And what her mom allowed. Yeah. She was a participant well, in it. Yeah, exactly. So in 1989, Elizabeth's sister, oh, no. Rosemary, leaves her seven children with Marcus and Elizabeth. No. How she has seven? From different men. She was a drug addict. Oh. So she God. couldn't no longer care for them. So she just drops them off. No. So at that point. There are 16 children living in whatever place they called home at the time because they pretty much lived a nomadic lifestyle, moving from place to place, alternating between an army tent, a trailer, and a rundown shitty, a couple of rundown shitty boats. There was yeah. Cause the, how did they make money? Yeah, this is all before they moved to Fresno. Years before. Where where are they living? Um, Does all over. Okay. It's all over California. It seems like oh, up California. and down. California. Yeah. Okay. So as you can imagine, keeping such a large household came with its own problems, made worse by the fact that Marcus had his own weird ideas Ooh. about religion and where he sat in the hierarchy of heaven and earth. <laughs> He must be this close to God, and if you want to touch God's hand, you have to worship me. He alternated between being God himself to being a servant of God. Mm -hmm. So, like, just, I guess, whatever which way the wind was blowing at at any given time. So, remember how he loved playing preacher? Yeah. 
that comes into play because the family had to endure hours long Bible studies that were based on his own weird ass belief system that he put together oh himself. Kind of a hodgepodge uh, of different religions. Sounds uh, just like every other religion. Yeah. He made up his own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just yeah, like but everybody. With a twist. With a tw- oh, great. With a really oh, weird twist. Great. The idea that he was God and Jesus Christ was a vampire. Wait, yeah, that's a twist. All right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. I'm going to take a sip of wine. Yeah, we should. Mm -hmm. We deserve one. (sighs) Yes. You heard that right. Jesus was a vampire. All right. Um, Something to do with references to Jesus' blood in the Bible, which made him come to the conclusion that Jesus was a vampire. You mean the part where Jesus says, drink my blood. This is my body. This is my blood. Drink, eat in remembrance of me. Or you can only be washed clean with the blood of Jesus. All those references. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So anyways, it doesn't even matter because he couldn't even keep that story straight. Because sometimes he was, like I said, he was God and sometimes he was uh, the servant of God. He even took the time to write his own Bible. What? Wait. What? Wait. He wrote his own convoluted Bible. Are you kidding me right now? Yes. Oh, my Lanta. Uh, and his even children, his children even took vampire middle names, which was that long list of names that oh, I read to you. Saint- they were so weird. Yeah. Those were their vampire names. Well, yeah, because, well, they use St. Christopher and that's actually yeah, Saint. I, I have no idea. All right. Whatever. Um, It probably won't surprise you that he was fascinated with David Koresh, <laughs> the Waco, Texas oh, cult leader God. who took they multiple gravi- wives. They all gravitate together, don't yes. they? Yes. During the standoff in 1993, <laughs> he had his kids glued to the television set, making comparisons to himself and Koresh, saying, this is how the world is attacking God's people. Oh, why Atlanta? Wesson told his family, according to the Fresno B. This man is just like me. He's making children for the Lord. That's what he should. That's what we should be doing. Making children for the Lord. Oh, okay. So this gave him ideas. Okay. Uh, so making children for the Lord. It's that line that really sticks because his way of carrying that out was very twisted. We already know that he had no qualms about grooming his wife, Elizabeth, from a very young age. Well, he carried this abuse over to his flesh and blood daughters uh, and his nieces. He's, yeah. This guy's a he's real fucking me. sick this, out. This he's story, like, you find the grossest story. Well, this wasn't my story. <laughs> Dana, shame on you for sending this to us. I'm just kidding. It's uh, it's, it's a good one, though. <sighs> I'm just saying that we get so used to being in our own little happy little world right. that we don't realize that there's kids being starved and held in cages what about that and couple like a few years ago that their kid couple of their kids their escaped. Kids? Yeah, their kids yeah. escaped and then like now they're going through like Yes. Yeah. Yeah, their kids are being completely starved and grow. Yeah, so like this kind of stuff is happening. It's like, good How often? Uh, all the time and like then, right now as and we're talking the pandemic about it, probably didn't make things in, no, any better it just made people more crazy okay. but as we're talking right now something like this is happening that that, that makes me sick yeah um, sad. so anyways yes he carried this abuse over to his flesh and blood daughters and his nieces okay so he starts molesting them when they're about eight or nine Hi. and okay i know i'm gonna get graphic sorry this is more graphic than i usually get he would begin by fondling their breasts and genitals. Um, then he, he what taught... What breasts do they have at I nine know, years old, fucking sicko? Then taught them oral sex. Oh! 
Until finally he was having full-on intercourse with them. Mm -mm. He called these routine rapes loving and told them it was a father's way to show affection to his daughters. Disgusting. Then he would marry each of them in his own ceremony, where the girl would lay her hand upon the Bible. I hope he's rotting in hell right now. Marcus's Bible, probably. And he would lay his hand over hers while they recited marriage vows. No. Then Marcus would give the girl a gold wedding band and a necklace. That that was their their little symbol of love. Yeah. And commitment. Yeah. It's disgusting. How the be- fucking gross. In the beginning, he said, "Ooh." Ooh, here are mics. Our mics don't like it either. In the beginning, he said he wanted to have one child with each of them, but he didn't stop at one child. At one point, there were five of them pregnant at the same time. Ooh, he's just doing it all over the place. Yeah. It makes sense why they moved around so frequently, aside from the fact that they had no money, other than the welfare he gleaned off of impregnating everyone. So people don't catch on. He fathered seven more children by his nieces and his daughters. Mm Mm-mm. In his twisted mind, he came up with the idea that incest produces the seed of perfection to oneself, which is the exact opposite if you know history and incest. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, like Koresh, Marcus had a deep hatred and mistrust of law enforcement, and he made a suicide pact with his family in case any government official decided to separate the family. The mothers were told to kill their children and then themselves, and he reinforced this plan monthly. Like, they talked about it. Like they, well, was a plan, yeah, that's plan. exactly how Koresh was too. Like, because they drilled it into their head, like, okay, if this happens, this is what They're we need to do. Right. They're totally brain- right. brainwashed. I can't even talk. Okay. <sighs> he controlled every minute. He controlled every minute detail of their lives and any defiance. <laughs> This funny is this the funny. This story is not funny. The fact it's that I cannot speak. Funny. Um, so he, controlled every minute (laughs) when you make the same mistake over and over again all right that's hilarious um i can't wait till it's my turn yeah because i'm gonna be screwing up there couldn't be any deviance from his word or this would result in severe punishment the girls were required to dress in long skirts head scarves and in public in his presence they walked behind him oh like good little ducklings see i see what he's doing he's taking little bits and pieces of different religions yeah and he probably took a lot from the seventh day adventist yeah because they're pretty strict too Mm mm-hmm he was so possessive of the girl of the girls that one at one point he separated the boys from the girls so no sexual feelings or conduct could arise. The girls were expected to wait on Marcus's. This is disgusting. It's, I can't believe you're going into. I wouldn't have done this story. I know. I have cleaned it up. Mm-hmm. I'm not going into every mic because uh-uh. there was a lot of abuse. There was abuse of the boys too, but it was with them. It was more of a, a very physical abuse. Like, one of the boys, he, like, literally beat the shit out of him, like, on a regular basis. And the kid would come in. He had the kid coming in and asking for his beating. What? That's that's how fucked up he had them in the head. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, the girls were expected to wait on Marcus every need, Mm -mm. which included washing his hair and scratching his armpits. Oh, no. Okay, hold on. First of all, if you just get a glimpse of the photo that I just saw, it would gross you out just to think about it. Um, and then not to press the point any harder, but all the people that have ever come in contact with Marcus, he stank. Yeah, he looks like he stinks. He stank. Mm-hmm. I mean, he looks a like lot he of the places that they regularly yeah, and the places deodorant. that they lived 
didn't have running water mm-hmm. or restrooms. Oh my god! And he's probably so sweaty, and um, they're like, Ugh! and these Mm-mm. poor children Mm-mm. children are being subjected to this. No. Okay. Who does that? This dude. And yet, there's oh god. See, this goes right back to what we were talking about before. There's perfectly lovely people who are trying so hard to have children and can't and then there's gross people like that who can just procreate like all they have to do is look at it well evidently a relative and get her pregnant a child a child to say his that his family lived in third world conditions would be putting it mildly they Mm. spent 10 Mm -hmm. years living in an army tent like a whole Mm. 10 year stretch Mm -mm. no running water Mm-mm. Um, they even at one point lived in a rusty old tugboat with no running water or bathroom. Oh. And a lot of times they were forced to hide below deck what? so other people wouldn't see them. Yeah. Mm-mm. And they would row into town and he would have all the women row Do into the town. Rowing? Do the rowing? What a fucker. All right. So in the fall of 2003, oh wait, <laughs> when great. they were old enough to work, they were forced to hand over their paychecks. Food was scarce and mm-hmm. often they would have only have rice, bread or beans to mm-hmm. eat. And uh, dumpster diving was not uncommon. In the fall of 2003, sheriff's deputies ruled that the tugboat was unsafe for the children and ordered it to be vacated. The family moved to Fresno soon afterwards, where they bought a 1,066 square foot converted office building on West Hammond Avenue and parked a yellow school bus Mm. in the driveway. Mm. So this is like where they end up. Um, So according to Elizabeth, this is his first... The wife. Wife. First child. Daughter. Child bride. Stepdaughter? Yeah. Daughter. Actual daughter. Yeah. If you think of like how disgusting this is. So Mm -hmm. in the 60s, he meets Elizabeth's mother is boning her. Mm Mm-hmm. Decides he wants the daughter. Who was only nine, but then waited till she was 12 and then was told to wait till she was 15. Yeah. <laughs> My God. And has children from her. Mm-hmm. So it's three. Ge- and then starts having children from her children. This is three Mm-mm. generations Mm-mm. of women. How are they not? Co- like, how are they not coming out with like deformities? I They don't. If you see pictures, they're actually very good looking kids. Yeah, that's weird that they're not coming out all fucked up. You know what? Like, I wouldn't be surprised because of like the malnourishment and all the other things that they were dealing with if they, mm. they didn't have other issues. But that's yeah, but that's, the, that's not really even talked about. I mean, none of that. The fact to- that your dad is having sex and procreating with you. Don't you think that would cause some fucked up kids? I don't know. I don't know the science of it. I think like. I mean, if a brother and sister get together and have kids, that's supposed to create some fucked up kids. Right. I think it's after a few gen- couple generations. I don't know. Um, but I know like a, a second cousin and a first cousin and a second, they can go and get married and be fine. Yeah. I don't know. Because their kids aren't going to be fucked up. But this is literally your father. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. So how is it? I don't know the science behind all of it. I, I just got to see the kids. But I know like royal families, like way back in the day, like that that's, was a big thing. And they, there was they a lot all... of that congenital disorders that were mm-hmm. passed down from one generation to the other because of all and the like inbreeding. Nutty yeah. And... So anyways. All right. So according to Elizabeth, she says she had no idea that any of this was going on. And the boy who other than physical abuse seemed to not be privy to what was going on with the sisters and the cousins they didn't really know anything either when one asked who the girl's baby's fathers were marcus had told them that they had been artificially inseminated what 
Yeah. He told the brothers this. And remember that oh they're God. separated. They're, oh, they're not. So like the boys are separated from the girls? Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, because oh. he didn't trust the boys. He didn't want them messing with his harem. Oh, my. He didn't trust his own sons or his own nephews. Well, because he's doing it. Yeah. But wait a minute. Are you telling me this is Elizabeth right here? No, that is not. That's what Elizabeth. it said. No. Look. Elizabeth Wesson. No, that's her. Oh, this is her. That's her. And just think about the fact that but she was eight. who's this one? The daughters. Wow, she's pretty. Some of them are really good looking. Well, I think two of them are the nieces, and they're actually <laughs> very good looking. Anyways. Like even these kids, they're cute. It's All right, so yeah, the boys didn't know anything, or they claimed not to know anything. Mm-hmm. And not all the girls were digging what was going down either. Wesson discovered Ruby Sanchez, uh, one of the nieces, flirting with boys and beat her severely for it. (gasps) She ran away three times, but always returned, having nowhere to go and not wanting to leave her child. But when she turned 22, she left for good and got married, according to the Fresno Bee. Mm. Her sister, Sofina Solorio, also left, but Marcus told them, they would have to leave their sons. What? Yeah, they had. If they left, they had to leave their sons behind. Why is he their want children. the sons? Well, their children because oh. he they were his property. Right. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Figuring they were at least safe from what the women went through or the girls went through, mm. they figured they could come back for them. Mm. Oh. Away from Wesson's oppressive influence, the young women finally realized what it was like <laughs> in the real world. To lead normal lives, they woke up and understood what was going on in Marcus' home was abusive, not right, mm-hmm. and not normal. Mm-hmm. This is when they decided to return re- return for their children. And the scene we started the story with is what developed as the worst mass murder in Fresno history. Holy cow. Marcus, so it's their Waco. Yeah, basically. Okay. Marcus <laughs> was charged with nine counts of first degree murder and 14 counts of molestation and rape. He tried to say he didn't kill anyone, that it had been Sabrina who had actually pulled the trigger, killing children and finally killing herself. Mm -mm. Ruby and Safina's testimony showed that Marcus had a complete control over the family and that he had commanded them to commit this act if the police had ever tried to interfere. Having Sabrina kill the children then herself would fit with this pattern of having a woman do the hard work while he walks Mm -hmm. away. On the other hand, family annihilators usually kill their families, then attempt to blame the crime on the mother, Mm. which we've talked about with the Watts case. Yeah, right. The prosecution also rebutted by arguing that Wesson was ultimately guilty of the massacre because he'd primed his children to kill and be killed. In this family, he was Christ himself, the ultimate authority figure who determined life and death. Prosecutor Lisa Gomian told, or Gamian, Gamio, I can't, something like that. It is just like another, oh, she's that shorty? She's dreaming. No, it's Athena. She's so cute. She told the court, uh, the prosecutor told the court, but for this suicide pact, for his teachings, none of this would have happened. Mm. Athena, it's okay. It's okay. She's running. (laughs) When all was said and done, Marcus Wesson was found guilty on all counts, and on June 27, 2005, he was sentenced to... 102 years for the rape and molestation charges and for the murder of his children and grandchildren grandchildren children Mm-mm. he received the death penalty he was sent to san quentin prison the nation's largest death row and then gavin he Newsom, lived a beautiful life until he died of old age yeah piece and, of shit well gavin newsom put a moratorium on the death penalty in california so 
Now he'll just have to sit and rot because he's never getting out. Good. As for the children, they've moved on with their lives and realized the, that they had been brainwashed yes. and um, realized like just everything that everything they had that been. Happened. Yeah. Yes. But, you know, during the whole trial, there was like a faction of the children that were still like coming to his defense. Because well, they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So That's sad. But now, even the wife. But even now she's like. Now she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So um, I got this all off of Wikipedia, and then there was an article by Delaney R. Bartlett on Medium.com called Marcus Wesson, the Vampire King of Fresno, and then another article at TrueCrimeBlogspot.com. What's the vampire part? Huh? What's the vampire part? Because he thought he was a vampire. Oh, he, he really thought that. Yeah, he really... Uh, he's, he's not, like, drinking people's blood, though. Um, in the article, you know, what some the couple of things that I read, I heard there was something, mm. but the articles that I read didn't really specify that. So okay. I didn't, That's, I didn't, I, just think, I didn't want to, it was already gruesome enough. I mean, like, it's disgusting. All the other stuff is gruesome enough. So it's disgusting. Yeah. Thanks, Dana. Thank you, Dana. <laughs> you can now tip us because now we are scarred from that story. <laughs> it was pretty disgusting. <laughs> yeah. But I don't think I've ever heard that one. So I would have not find. Maybe I do I appreciate Dana for that. I know. Did you said, did you see any other podcasts that have done that one? Yeah. All right. Good story. So uh, shall we take a break? Let's take online? a break because I got to get up and stretch. Oh, your AC just went off. Yeah. I was reading that one article that you sent me, and they were talking about change your tone of your voice, and I'm like, oh, we got that covered. Oh yeah, we do that all the time. <laughs> we have multiple personalities. <laughs> We don't and even it do shows. it on purpose. I mean, it just happens. Yeah. yeah. We go from, <laughs> to, hey there. <laughs> Sweaty balls. Back door open. Can I just tell you, like, I don't know what's up. Like, my ADD is, like, off the charts. Mm-hmm. Albert comes in yesterday and he's like, so are you having a bad ADD? Yeah, I am having a I am having a bad ADD day. Anyways, he asked me, are you having a bad ADD day? And I was like, why? What did I do? And he's like, come here. So I don't know if you noticed, like all the dogs have different bowls. Oh. Because we've gone through different bowls for them because they ruin them, whatever, and I'll go get another bowl and whatever. So they're all different. I put a... Athena's bowl. I fed Apollo from Athena's bowl. I fed mm-hmm. uh, PJ from Apollo's bowl and <laughs> Athena from Shorty's bowl. And oh it was just God. like I had them all messed up. And right. I was like, and usually I'm pretty like on top of it, on top of it. And they all eat in the same spot. Like it's right. just like they all eat in different parts of the house and whatever. I was like, I have no idea <laughs> why or how I, how I did that. I mean, that's hilarious. I've been known to put milk in the cabinets. Oh, you know what? I've caught myself going to put, I, I have found stuff that belongs in the freezer in the pantry, but I've caught myself like just out of habit. Like I'm like, oh, put this in the pantry. And then I'm like, it's milk. Right. What are you doing? But you're not thinking. Right? I'm not. I'm, you're like I, on automatic. It's on auto. Yeah. You're just reacting. Moving things auto. around. Yeah, like if I'm making, oh my God, can I just tell you, I have invented, I think I invented it, the most amazing breakfast ever. Tell me. Okay, well, I'm super addicted to the croissants mm-hmm. from Costco. Mm. Oh yeah, those are good. So good. They are just, good. Just normal by themselves, they're good. Right. Very buttery. <sighs> okay, so one day, a, a long time ago, 
I was like, what can I make for breakfast? And I'm like, oh my gosh, why couldn't I do this? Cut the croissant in half and then um, cook it like you would like French toast kind of thing. And then like today I had strawberries, blueberries, bananas. Mm -hmm. And I just cover it with that. And then I dust it with powdered sugar. Mm. Mm. Sounds very gourmet. Oh my God, it is. Oh my God, that leaf just scared the shit out of me because it was moving out there. It stopped, (laughs) completely stopped right now when I just... What? Because right now it was going... That's weird. Nothing's moving out there. Anyway, yeah, it was the most delicious breakfast. So the kids all came home and I'm like, you guys, you need to try this breakfast that I've invented. So I make it. They like it. And then today I was like, I couldn't wait since I bought these damn croissants to make it. This morning, I finally got to have my delicious breakfast. Mm. You know, it's a little bit of fattening with a lot of healthy. Have you ever had that, the swirl bread? Oh. Make French toast with that. Mm-hmm. Mm, the best. Costco used to sell this yummy cinnamon bread that they don't sell anymore. Really? Yeah. It it was you just you could pop it in the toaster and it was like oh my god it was the best and I cannot find it anymore. Yeah, I love their dang cookies. Oh, I swear, god. like all of my COVID weight came from <laughs> shit from Costco. <laughs> Oh, it's so bad. Like who buy who's their who's their shopper? Like who's the person that gets to be like, mm, yes, this is Costco quality. Exactly. Because they, they don't pick I will say their chicken pot pie, mm-hmm. that giant pot pie, it's gross. I haven't had it before. Well it's disgusting. I was super excited, bought it for me and the kids, and we actually ended up throwing it away the whole thing away. Really? It was so bad. Like gross. Why? Did it taste like it came from a can? Or yeah, it just had some horrible spices in it, or something, and it just you know we were expecting a yummy chicken pot pie, and the spices in it. I was like, oh wow, this is nothing like what I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was awful. So we happens. threw the whole thing away, and we had, I took them to McDonald's or something. It was very sad. So I never bought their chicken pot pie again. Very disappointing. But for the most part, you can't go wrong. Mm-mm. All right. What do you got for us? All right. So. Well, I know. I'm pretending I don't know. Yeah. You do know. Now I know. Thanks to Just barely like Phillip. a couple hours before. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Philip with uh, my cellulite. <laughs> cellulite. <laughs> my celluloid heart. Celluloid heart. Yeah. Podcast. Podcast. Did I say dot com? Yeah, you did. <laughs> I said cellulite on purpose because that's something we joked about last time or when he was here. But anyway, yeah, he texted me and he's like, hey. When I finally looked it up, I was like, I can't believe she's doing this story. I know, because I even told Philip, I don't do those. Right. Oh, so he texted it to you? Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't watch scary movies. (laughs) I'll let you know. And so I uh, ended up watching the movie, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And then I was thinking, after I did all of it, I was like, damn it, why didn't Philip say, like, hey, and I'll come and do it with you guys? <laughs> <laughs> because he could have done, like, the whole movie review part well, of it. I think if we're going to have Philip on, we're going to have to, like, schedule a Thursday recording because oh. his uh, schedule changed again. We so could have done that. But anyway, um, I watched it by myself in the daytime. It wasn't scary. 
Stop yawning. Jeez, Alma. <laughs> I know what I need. Hold on. I'm boring you. Hold on. The wine. Anyway, so uh, so then I he said, but tell the real story. And so then I kind of started looking into it. And I'm like, but what is the real story? Because quite honestly, nobody really knows the real story. So I told you I, it might be more of a true crime. And then you were like, okay, I'll do the paranormal. And then I'm like, nope, never mind. I'm going to do paranormal because this shit is crazy. But I'm going to, uh, I, I even told Albert last night, I'm going to ask Alma if it's okay if I put my two cents in here. Because I'm going to tell you the, the story right. as it's not like the movie. Right. Well, and it, it involves the Warrens, right? You know how I feel about them. Yeah. I, anyway. There is controversy. <clears throat> and I think I think you asked me when I first came on with you about, we did something. Yeah. And you asked me about them. Did, and we, did we do the Enfield Poltergeist together? No, I think that no, might No, you been. and... Um, Yvette, I think, did. We did. Oh, and then we did. Um, Annabelle, I think, we, we did, did you? We did Annabelle, and uh-huh. we also did. Amityville. Uh, Amityville. Uh-huh. And so you and I, at some point, had discussed these people. Right. I didn't really know that much about them. But as I was doing this, and I'm watching real life interviews of these two, my impressions are very correct. Anyway, so I'm just going to tell you the story and tell you how it is. And then I'll probably elaborate. Yeah. Okay. You know how I roll. Do it. I'm going to need a nice little gulp of wine. Do it. I want to (laughs) try. She's digging in for the grapes. All right. She's going for the gold. Oh, yeah. Mmm. Good. Now I'm going to get one. What happened to you? Nothing. I just wanted to see if it was red. We caught that on there because <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. Definitely. Oh my god! I thought there was something wrong with it. All right, that was hilarious. <laughs> Nothing. I just want to see if the if it was red. I wanted to see if it absorbed oh. the red mm. wine because they're green grapes. Mm. I don't know, but the, oh, I could have brought my. I'm gonna freeze my red grapes. Oh, wait a minute. If that's a bug, it's juicy and yummy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> don't make me laugh. All right. You made me laugh. <laughs> you made me laugh. Just all I have to do is like twitch a little muscle and it hurts so bad. So here we go, peeps. Are you ready? Here we go. All right. So let's the, do it. The story comes from the book and real life exploits of the famous married couple, Lorraine and Ed Warren. Okay. And they wrote, well, I'll get to all that. Anyway, Lorraine is a demonologist clairvoyant and ed is a self-proclaimed demonologist ghost investigator so the two of them have founded the new england society for psychic research in 1952 and it's the oldest ghost hunting group in new england <clears throat> did you know that i didn't know about them being the oldest yeah it's the old well in new I england in New England. I don't retain that kind of stuff. <clears throat> anyway, as with many other movies, with their names attached to them, this movie was created from a book they wrote called The Devil in Connecticut by 
So they had, I think they had just like a ghostwriter or co-writer called Gerald Brittle. Mm -hmm. So they wrote about their experience with the Glatzel family back in 19, I think it was 1980. I have 1981 on here, but I think it was 1980. We'll just say the 80s. Okay. <clears throat> the book was removed from publication. Really? So it's really hard to find. Okay. If you can find it at all, then good for you. But that didn't stop the making of this film. Although the Warrens will say things in the film are not exactly how it happened. Because, of course, Hollywood had to add right. their... They always do. Yeah. They have to wear, add their, like, jump scary things. What do they call them? Pop? I don't know. They're jump scares. <clears throat> anyway, they had to add drama to it. They're and jump stuff. scares. Yeah. <laughs> I like the jump scares. Jump scares. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, as if in real life it wasn't terrifying enough, because if you listen to Ed and Lorraine's account of everything, it's pretty fucking scary. Right. And so we're going to delve into that. Anyway, according to the story given during an interview, so Ed and Lorraine have their own little talk show like thing do you know that it's like a little youtube channel talk show thing and they have a monitor that asks them questions back in the day because they both passed away already no yeah they're both girl yeah they're both dead and gone but yeah it's an afterlife (laughs) no but they have on youtube they have like their own like these two really love themselves Mm -hmm. and so They have this monitor that is interviewing them about this. So I I literally got it from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Yeah. All the information. Cool. Because I watched these interviews with them. Then they did another interview with like, it looked like it was like a college campus type interview with like a young girl and she's interviewing them. And every time, can I just say every time they tell the story, Lorraine Warren is very rehearsed and it's like she's reading off of something and she's very um like this so the Glatzkill family were all pitching you know like she's very clear and like each thing is very like this unlike the way i read my story (laughs) yeah right it's like how i read mine anyway okay so according to the story given during an interview on ed and lorraine's channel on youtube they say Arnie, Cheyenne, Johnson, and Debbie Glatzel were getting ready to move into a new place as an engaged couple. And the Glatzel family, like the whole family was pitching in to help the only girl in the family. So I think it was like two boys and a girl. And they loved Arnie. He was like already a part of their family. Mm -hmm. So they were all helping them move into this new place and I think it was a rental I don't think if they were buying it but anyway helping him move into this place apparently well David who's the youngest boy he's 11 he was taking a box into one of the rooms he was spooked by an apparition of an old man Mm. yeah and it's a freaky apparition so he describes it in perfect detail he describes him as old and creepy with like coarse like pale scruffy just weird they say ruddy skin but i'm not quite sure what that means just like just icky skin mm-hmm. pale i know right <laughs> anyway uh wearing a torn plaid shirt and blue jeans and so 
they feel like for this kid to be in such detail over what he sees, it's like he can't be lying. Yeah. Um, The old man told the boy, Beware the Ides of March. And then he pushed him into the waterbed that had been left in the house in the master bedroom. Okay, that's in the movie. Well, in the movie, in the movie, he's like playing in the room, jumps on the bed, and then the the face is in the waterbed. I totally had flashbacks of my parents' waterbed when I watched the movie. (laughs) I loved my waterbed. I hated their waterbed. I love my waterbed. Anyway, okay. He's pushed into the waterbed that had been left in the master bedroom. No one else claimed to have seen this apparition. But David soon began to show odd behavior and physical markings. He had night terrors, unexplained scratches, bruises. So after 12 days, like, the kid was freaking out, basically. And after 12 days, the family decided. As you would. Yeah. (laughs) If you're always seeing this old crinkly guy and nobody and believes you why i mean that's kind of my childhood <laughs> so after 12 days his family decided to contact the warrens for help well that's not exactly true they first they contacted this father dennis and then father dennis i think see this is where the stories and this is coming from the mouths of is father the dennis warrens. the one that shows up late and is kind of useless in the whole no Again, the movie isn't actually accurate. But is that who he's supposed to be? (laughs) Probably. Okay. No, I know the movie's not accurate. Well, okay, hold on. But again, the Warrens kind of mess all that up, I guess. But anyway, so evidently the Clatzels had already had a priest there. Then the priest had contacted the Warrens. That's That's the Warrens story. Okay. Anyway, um, they said that they were contacted by Father Dennis, who was leery of getting involved in the situation with the Glatzels. He spoke of David and told the Warrens that David had a slight learning disability. Okay, what kind what of learning that? disability are we talking about? Do? Does he have ADD? Does he have trouble reading? Does he have, like, it's a slight learning disability. So what, what are we talking about? Like he's dyslexic? Yeah, what did, like what does what, it have to do with seeing ghosts? Exactly. Okay, so but there was very bizarre behavior occurring from the young boy. So they contacted a doctor and they asked if because of the boy's learning disability, again, they said very slight learning disability. They didn't say he had mental disability. They mm-hmm. said a learning disability. Right. So they contact this doctor and they ask if because of this boy's learning disability, could he be on any medication or would the disability itself be causing any erratic behavior? Oh, okay. And, All right. Because so they want to know. Yeah. And, and I appreciate that they supposedly what they are known for doing is really like bringing out physicians and scholars and trying really, to debunk like yeah could he be on medication that's causing him to hallucinate could he be um any any other things that could be causing him to see or believe these things or or react this way anyway they asked the doctor because this doctor jim grosso Mm-hmm. They ask him to come along to the home because he also has a son with some learning disabilities. Again, what kind of learning disabilities does his son have? Right. <laughs> anyway, um, and they felt that 
he would recognize if he was reacting to any of the medications or reacting or, or was it a reaction to the disability. Lorraine also said things got strange right away. So like right when they get there, Ed and Jim are walking up the steps and Ed trips and Jim's like, <laughs> klutz, you know, kind of chuckles under his breath. And then Jim trips and falls. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so, sorry. So yeah, she's like, isn't that weird? And so I'm like, no, that just means that they're both stupidly clumsy, but okay. (laughs) But she's like, no, that's weird. So Lorraine uh, said David would be drawing and doodling. Like he's just being a normal 11 year old boy drawing and doodling. And then he would look up and he no longer looked like himself. What are you fucking looking at? You're wigging me out. Okay, I'm sorry. What? It's just the way all the leaves are moving out there. Sorry. Okay, we're talking about something about evil well, and that's why i'm looking out there because it's kind of out. freaking me out so <laughs> all right so anyway she said that lorraine said david would be drawing and doodling just being a normal boy and then he would look up and he would not look like himself he was no longer 11 year old boy okay that's kind of creepy they state that his that this little boy would become extremely strong and how some nights they would witness five grown men trying to restrain him um and with great difficulty like even his dad is kind of a big guy mm-hmm. and he couldn't restrain him they said he would be ranting and raving and he had even attacked his mother whom he adored like they said this is like the sweetest boy he loves his parents he loves his dad he loves his mom and like kind of like a little mama's boy you know he's only 11 he still likes his parents he is leaving scratch marks on his mom mm. And he even, uh, Ed Warren says he even broke his mom's nose. Oh my God. Yeah. And struggling? Um, like, were they trying coming to Coming at her. Oh. Yeah. So after the first, so they, they held an, an exorcism at a church. Mm-hmm. And after the first one failed, David wouldn't get into the car and he ran away. And um, this is, again, Ed and Lorraine's story. So um, David ran away. He then went after his mom and grandmother with a knife, Hmm. came at them with a knife. What? Yeah. And then Ed says he next sees him in the fetal position at the house, at which time he swiftly gets up like he like is in the fetal position. And then he just like snaps his his. Um, hands are in a fist and he's like swinging and just like combative freaking out right and then he goes into the bathroom locks himself in the bathroom and they said you hear the most disturbing freaky laugh coming out of the bathroom like you know (laughs) (laughs) of course it would be that laugh right (laughs) yeah the laugh of my nightmares yeah, so they hear this freaky-ass laugh-coming evil laugh. Right. After this, they take um, David to St. Joseph's Catholic Parish for another ex- exorcism, and this was on September 8th, which is the birthday of the Blessed Mother. So they're like, it's definitely going to work. Like, it's her birthday. It's the Blessed Mother birthday. Of course, you know, it's going to work. I don't know why they're thinking that. Uh, I guess they just thought their chances were better. Ed then says that they were told that they are told that what they call, they call it the beast. The beast is what he keeps referring to it as. That it's back at the house. So I don't know if David is like, it's back at the 
house. <laughs> <laughs> or it only happens yeah. in the house. The, the beast is back in the house. Oh, don't, do <laughs> don't do that. You're going to leave. Albert's not here. <laughs> oh, my God. He's not. No. <clears throat> anyway, now you know what I feel like. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So no, um, no, that's what he's told. It's not like just, yeah, the beast is only at the house. He, So I don't know if it's David telling him this or if like one of the priests are telling him this. So Ed leaves by himself and goes back to the house to, um, to confront the beast. He takes holy water with them well yeah i mean that that's his only defense that's what you do right right so he um he then like is sprinkling holy water around and he says that um, i wonder if he, you could put that in a nerf gun and- <laughs> <laughs> um i'm gonna try that next time i go to new mexico and get my like where i get the holy water i like i'm gonna like load up get enough, on it. <laughs> get enough to put in a nerf gun so where was I? okay so ed goes to the house sprinkles the holy water then he comes to Ooh, did you hear that mm-hmm. he then comes to a rocking chair okay. that he describes as violently rocking back and forth it just starts right okay he then says he starts hearing loud pounding sounds and he's like, it sounds like somebody's in the basement and like banging on the pipes, everything. Ugh. Then he can hear growling <sighs> coming from the cellar of the house. Okay. Wouldn't you get the fuck out of there? Fuck if you're yeah. all by yourself and all you have is some holy water. Yeah. I get the fuck out. Yeah. Um, bye-bye now. I'd pour the holy water over my head. I, okay, I okay, okay, okay. So I'm watching the movie, and I don't want to give any spoilers out, so I'm not going to say anything. But there is one point, at one point, holy water comes involved. And I'm thinking, why wouldn't you drink it? Drink right? that shit. Right? I would be drinking it. I mean, then it's definitely good for an hour at least. <laughs> Nothing's going to touch me when this is going through my veins. That's how I would feel. And then your skin would be nice and supple. (laughs) And I would glow like the Virgin Mary (laughs) and start to float. Okay. Uh, um, Okay, enough of that. The Warrens both describe a morning. Okay, okay, okay. So now this scene they just kind of like skip over it they don't say like what they do about it they're just like yeah right. so that happened so then the warrens both describe a morning when one of the priests had completed his night session so like the priests would constantly be there like overnight and then i guess it, they'd come out in the morning it looked like they were in a war zone mm-hmm. and they're like because they kind of were yeah and it's like yeah okay so this night this priest comes out um after his session at the Glatzel home, they said the priest looked like he had been in battle. The priest said that he awoke and the p- pillow next to him was soaked in blood. But it wasn't his blood. Whose blood was it? It wasn't anybody's blood. Okay, that's freaky. <laughs> yeah. They said, so this is what the Warrens, this is how they, this is how they explain it. They said, they called it out porch it's an outport where it has materialized Mm -hmm. in one point right and then 
became manifested manifested in another point so spirit they go from one portal to another so yeah it's like um well you know when we do the stories where they'll say like you can sand it put new flooring down and there's blood stain right there Mm -hmm. yeah it's kind of like they spirit has a way of manifesting that right right there well darkness has their own special way of manifesting some pretty disgusting things Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know about the word outport, but okay. How did all this shit happen in the 70s? I mean... Like, all these uh, stories come from the 70s. Okay, well, we're going to talk about my theories. Don't you worry, girl. Okay. Uh, Okay, they then tell a story of how Debbie and Arnie would sleep. So, Debbie and Arnie. Debbie is David's sister. I love that name. Debbie and Arnie. Debbie and Arnie. Arnie... Johnson is Debbie's fiance. Okay. Right? The one that the... Uh, in the movie. Well, yeah. And the Glatzkulls, like, love him. They right. welcome him with open arms. He's a part of the family already. But he's he really is so sweet. And they sleep next to David so that when he awakes, if he's, like, combative or scared, they can be there to take care of him. Either restrain him so, like, the beast that's in him isn't doing yeah. anything that that's very <laughs> loving because I don't know right if I could do that I don't know it's weird but they said they woke up and um oh well the Warrens said they described so that David and no Debbie and Arnie described this hand and arm like this bony green hand and arm <laughs> coming up through the floor what the fuck while they were sleeping on the floor next to David um you know David's on the bed they're on the floor and this okay. green bony hand comes up that's not scary so like this that's mo- not scary yeah no it is oh, i was like what what is wrong with you woman no so this monitor is like what is the purpose of like the blood on the pillow the arm all of this the banging and they're like it's to put fear in you and wow first time we actually agree so like whenever I have clients that are like, or I know that something negative is around, first thing I tell them is ignore it. Even if it gets loud, even if it tries to touch you, anything, like it's rare that it's going to... Because gonna... it wants the reaction. Yeah. <clears throat> they It feeds off of your fear and it gains more energy off of that energy. Yeah. It's making me laugh because I'm thinking of that night that we were out. Yes. If there yes. was something there, it was totally we, feeding up. We it was like, mm, it would have had num, a smorgasbord. <laughs> oh, she can't start her car. She's getting scared. I'm getting stronger. Oh Every time I think of that, it makes me laugh. <laughs> that was hilarious. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, but positive energy. <laughs> click, click, click. Nope, not yet. Click, click, click. <laughs> positive energy works the same way, though. Like, if you're feeding positive energy, then you receive more positive energy. So it's the same concept, but we're more freaked out by the... You know, it's crazy because the scary shit sells... Mm-hmm. The scary shit's more entertaining. Right. The share the scary shit's more fun to talk about. Right. So 
whatever. Yeah, it's definitely more fun to talk about this <laughs> shit than the <laughs> shit we were talking about. about oh, well, hour. that's not positive, though. I yeah. mean, like, if you, if you're talking about, like, when I tell people, oh, my refrigerator broke, my truck needs help, my pool was down, but I don't get all bummed out about it. I'm just like hey, I had the money to do this and I got that and this is why it went down. And they're like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, did you scream and yell? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Like we want to hear the drama. Right. Our, our brains are wired that mm. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Warrens then show a picture of a green dinosaur that they say David had just completed building. It's not meant to walk. It's not mechanical. It's not robotic. It's just a plain old little dinosaur. Okay. Anyway, the Warrens claim that for no reason at all, this dinosaur, right after David started building it, Mm -hmm. it started moving and going towards them. And then it was like assisted by possessed energy. Mm -hmm. And then the toy said, Beware. You're all going to die. That's what they say happened. That's what the Warrens say. Yes, that's what the Warrens say. Okay. They said the reason David was possessed in the first place, because the monitor says, so why do you think David got possessed? They said the reason David was possessed in the first place was because his mom and sister were fooling around with witchcraft and they met a group of people in upstate New York while they were snowmobiling. Well, don't do that, motherfuckers. It was definitely the snowmobile. Yeah. And these people were Satanists. Sorry. Santana. Santana. It was Santana. (laughs) Play something on your guitar, dude. (laughs) They were saying, look, I still can't say it. And I just said it. Satanist. Anyway, once they went back to their house that night. So supposedly Debbie and her mom, Judy, went back to this satanist house um the group for some reason turned on judy david's mom mm-hmm. then the first time something made itself self known was at was when debbie and arnie were moving into the house in brookfield oh this is in brookfield connecticut by the okay. way but it then followed david to the family home where that same night the old man returned to David. So <clears throat> that old man that was creepy. Right. The waterbed scene mm-hmm. was at Arnie and Debbie's house that everybody was helping them move into. Right. Right. Okay. Now, <clears throat> David's back at the family home. He sees the man again. But this time he is all burnt. He describes him as being all burnt. And his feet were like deer hooves. Hooves? Yeah. Hooves. Yeah. Okay. That's not weird. Very weird. Right. So the Warrens then say that they knew there was going to be a tragedy. And even when they warned the police that something terrible was going to happen. No, they even warned the police that something terrible was going to happen. But then they were like, I mean, what do you tell the police? Like, we don't know when, we don't know where, we don't know what. But one thing they did know is they never in a million years thought that Arnie Johnson was Mm going to be involved. Right. They thought it was going to be with David. Right. So they then speak of Arnie, who's, again, the fiance of Debbie. They say uh, he was the sweetest 19-year-old kid. Like, 
extremely polite. He was gentle and very loved by the Gratzel family. Right. Um, they said he made <clears throat> one horrible mistake that night. So it was a night that they were trying to help David. Mm-hmm. It's it's like he did it because he loved David so much, you know, and he's like, then he summoned that evil entity. entity. <laughs> he summoned it. Did he you summon it? <laughs> he summoned the evil entity and told it to take him and leave David alone. And Lorraine explains that at this point, the Catholic priests have already been involved. They said Father Genesis had already left for Ireland to tend to his mother. Another young priest was sent who was assigned to the parish at the same time, at, at, at the time, and another young man who was recently ordained was also assigned to the par- parish. And she said that they came, they both came to visit um, her and Ed. Okay, so she stated during the interview that it grew to be six priests. Remember I said that? What? <laughs> six priests were involved in this case. Three of them were ordained and schooled in Rome. Just remember that I mentioned six priests. Okay. She then... she Aside she, from the ones that have already left. Well, no, just six altogether. Okay. <clears throat> she said even they were very frightened of the things that Arnie would say. So, like, now we have Arnie involved. And, like, again, they state Arnie was very low-key and polite. He was like, yes, Mrs. Glatzel, Mr. Glatzel, you know, like, very respectful to the priest so for like them to hear like i hate you (laughs) (laughs) don't do that (laughs) anyway (laughs) again oh all right he he was never aggressive as his normal self they said if you were going to have a son he would be the boy you would want You guys need to see Alma cringe. (laughs) The way you were being the last time when I'm telling this black-eyed kid story and now you're like taking glee out of me. That was hilarious. (laughs) No, the black-eyed one scared the shit out of me. All right. This doesn't? No, I mean, because I'm kind of making fun of it, so... It's because you're in the driver's seat. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> I get to tell the story. They then state, okay, so they said if you're going to have a son, you would want it to be a boy like Arnie. Wow, I think I'm possessed now. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. Okay, I think I'm ready. Okay. You know what that is? That's a That's disgusting. the hoofed man coming. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was the sound of my sister eating breakfast. <laughs> oh it's the hoof man walking all right they then state how arnie challenged the evil and that it doesn't happen right away okay so they're like it doesn't happen right away it um it usually takes a little bit before it comes and shows itself right and it's usually when you're at your most vulnerable and it will strike them. They then said that Arnie, Debbie, and his two sisters, it was actually Arnie, Debbie, two sisters, and Debbie's 
cousin, nine-year-old cousin, I think. Anyway, they met up with Alan Bona, a man they were staying with because... Alan Bona? Bona. They are like, fuck that house. We're not staying there. Hey, Mr. Alan Bona, can we come stay with you? And he had like a dog boarding place attached to his house. So Debbie like helped with the dogs. I think this is as far as I got in the movie. In the movie? Yeah. She helped with the dogs to help uh, to help pay for the rent. Right. Yeah. And they don't really explain mm-hmm. how they got there, why they're there. Yeah. Well, that's why. Because yeah. they're like, fuck that. We're not staying there. So they went and stayed with him. And when they were moving into that house, it was, um, they make it look like the Glatzels while moving there. But actually, it was Arnie and Debbie, Arnie's mom and his two sisters that were, I guess, were moving in there, from what I understand. But anyway, so this guy, Alan Bona, is like, yeah, he's like, I think he's like 40 years old. He's like, yeah, you can move in here. Whatever, dudes. Anyway, they end up renting a room or room or apartment, I don't know, from Alan. And then, like I said, she ends up. Okay, so on the night of February 16th, mm-hmm. 1981, they met up with Alan. He's like hey, let's go have some pizza and beer. Okay. So they all meet up. Of course, the guys get a little drunk. Then they went back to Bono's house and they said Arnie disappeared for a few minutes. Mm -hmm. And when he came back, he was a totally different person. Like he just, he wasn't, he didn't look like himself. He didn't sound like himself. They said after that, for like two hours, that two hours that happened between that and What's going to happen? He he can't remember. Oops, sorry. He can't remember anything. He totally blacked out. Totally blacked out. So they say, apparently, 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 a drunken fight between the two men, Arnie and Alan, had broken out. And a five-inch pocket knife came out. I don't know who had it. Well, obviously, Arnie did. <laughs> and Arnie used it to stab Alan. Oh, he wasn't 40. He was stabbed. No, no, no. I thought he was stabbed 20 times. But anyway, Arnie stabbed him a whole bunch of times. Like his he guts. He stabbed him a lot. A lot. His guts were coming out. Oh, God. It was a lot. Ugh. This was the first murder in Brookfield, Connecticut in like 140 or more years or like ever. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if they ever had a murder in that town until then. Anyway, Debbie Glatzel, along with her nine-year-old cousin Mary and and then Arnie's sister Wanda. Debbie Glatzel told police that just before the stabbing, a drunk Bono, Bono, Bono? You said Bona. All right, Bono. I don't know. I've had some wine. (laughs) Bono. I would say Bono. Okay. For whom she worked, grooming and tending the dogs, which I already told you guys, had grabbed Mary. I wonder where this was coming from when I was watching other things and then I finally saw this in another jig. Mm -hmm. Apparently, apparently, he grabbed Mary and wouldn't let go. So Arnie was like, let go of her. (laughs) In this crazy rage. Right. And intervened. He began growling like an animal. Mm -hmm. She said, before drawing a knife and stabbing her boss repeatedly. 
Wow. I know. Now I have some information from True Crime Buzz. So this is about his trial. Do you want to hear about it? Sure. Okay. So Johnson's, that's Arnie Johnson, murder trial began on October 28, 1981 at Connecticut's Superior Court in Danbury. His attorney was was a... 33-year-old Barton Manella, um, he told the Post ahead of the trial that he believed Bono Bono mm-hmm. stab wounds were far too deep to have been done by human hands. Ooh. He also told the paper that the potential Ooh. for, okay. de- I know, for demonic possession defense was introduced by the Warrens. Oh, of course it was. Blum, blum, blum. Okay. I didn't come up with this, Manella said. This was what was presented to me. I went to see Ed and Lorraine, and I decided to take the case after taking talking to them. They told me that when you're possessed, you have no control over your actions. That stuck in my mind, Manella told the people. The people? The people that he traveled to England ahead of the trial, seeking precedent by consulting with the lawyers who had handled two alleged demonic possessions case cases there i don't know how that made sense i don't even know what that meant do you (laughs) (laughs) okay uh he said i decided to take the case after talking to them they told me that when you're possessed you have no control over your actions that stuck in my mind manella told people oh he told people that he traveled to England ahead of the trial. That was poorly written. By the way, I didn't write that. Is it People Magazine or he yeah. told people? I'm pretty sure it's People Magazine because it's capital P. Oh, okay. All right. And again, I, I got this from, where did I say? Something, something. something. True Crime Buzz. So I did not write this. <clears throat> um, told people that he traveled to England ahead of the trial, seeking precedent by consulting with lawyers. Okay, so I get it now. In England, evidently, there was a case or cases that they actually prosecuted that where this whole demonic thing did. Set a precedent. Yeah. Okay. He also planned to bring exorcism specialists from Europe into the courtroom to testify. He said he, he spoke of subpoenas for the local priests who refused to testify. Okay, <clears throat> listen to this. He had subpoenas okay. for the local priests who refused to testify. I want you to remember that. Okay. <laughs> he also mentioned to the Why post... Why did they refuse to hmm. testify? Well, okay, so let me just tell you that in Ed and Lorraine's story... Mm-hmm. They said, well, there were even priests waiting outside of the courthouse to testify. They were waiting outside the courthouse so they could testify. They refused to testify. And here they refused. So you decide. Anyway, he also mentioned the post ahead of the trial that top movie studios were interested in the case. Lorraine Warren confirmed this to the Post reporter. Well, will we have a book written about this? She rhetorically asked. Yes, we will. Will we lecture about it? Yes, we will. Our agents at the William Morris Agency... Wow. Are talking to our film producers. Ahead of the trial, Manila also said that as part of his defense, he planned to bring religion 
directly to the courtroom. The courts have dealt with the existence of God and now they'll be asked to deal with the existence of demonic spirit. Hmm. Judge Robert Callahan, who presided over the jury trial, was swift to reject the demonic possession defense, allowing such testimony in the court would be a relative and unscientific, he said. The court will take judicial notice that the profession and business or hobby of locating demons has not risen to the level of vitality where it would be of assistance to the jury in deciding the case. Anyway, he basically said, fuck off. We're not doing that. So on November 24th, after a jury deliberated for 15 hours over three days, Johnson was convicted of first degree manslaughter. He was sentenced to 10 to 20 years in prison. He was a model inmate. He was released after five years. Okay. And then while in prison, do we get a fire? I thought I smelled a burnt tire. (laughs) I thought I smelled it. I knew it was going to happen. So Arnie and Debbie got married while Arnie was in prison in 1984. Um, He also got his high school diploma. They maintained their account of what happened in Brookfield with David, the circumstances of Bono's, Bono, Bono, murder, the Johnson's demonic possession was all true. That's what they say. Mm -hmm. Like, all of it's true. Upon his release from prison, uh, Johnson showed no signs of possession, according to the Warrens, who spoke with the Associated Press in 1986. (laughs) So if he was possessed (laughs) and he never had an exorcism after that. I mean, spirit gets bored and leaves. But but Ed Warren told the AP, the Associated Press, that possession doesn't last 24 hours a day. It comes quickly and leaves quickly. Uh, I don't know know about that. I couldn't I mean, say yes or no. I know I've had to pull some nasty spirit out of people, and it wasn't spirit that was just going to leave. <laughs> I'm bored. It's like, I found a home and I like it. Okay, so Lorraine Warren died in 2019, and she maintained it was all real. She had recounted her version of the events for the 1983 book, The Devil in Connecticut. Oh, so before this... There's actually a movie. Kevin Bacon did the original movie. Really? Yeah. And I think it's called The Devil in Connecticut. Oh, I think I saw that I think one. I pulled it up. Hold on. Let me make sure the name of it. Because I, I couldn't find like where I can watch it. You can't mm-hmm. watch it anywhere. Uh, oh, no. It's called the, the Demon Murder Case. That's what it's called. Right here. Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Demon Murder Case. Okay. I meant to m- mention that. <clears throat> so, 1983 book... The Devil in Connecticut is by Gerald Brittle. After its publication, she, Lorraine Warren, reportedly sent $2,000 in profits from the book to the Glatzel family. Can I just say, they were promised... 2000 Yeah. They were promised a lot more than 2000 I mean, it's their story. Right. They were promised a lot of money. Right. So they just got 2000 However, in 2007, Debbie's brother, Carl Glatzel, this Carl Jr., the dad is Carl Sr., claimed in a legal filing 
that most of the incidents described in the book are complete lies and that his family was manipulated and exploited by the Warrens. The paranormal investigators were opportunists who had turned his little brother's undiagnosed schizophrenia. Wow. Which he said was, he said, caused David to experience hallucinations and delusions from 1979 to 1982. Into a, they turned it into a huge media frenzy um, that fueled their fame and profits, but led him to lose relationships and business opportunities. So what do you think about um, the Johnson guy? Do you think like he just got jealous because the other guy was too I think handsy? he, I think that the Bono guy, Bono, mm-hmm. Bono, whatever. I think he might have gotten handsy with somebody. And then Johnson Had a lost rage. his other love and shit and went off on it. Because it, especially if he was doing drugs. Getting, or well, getting yeah. And if he was... If he was getting handsy with the little girl, because uh-huh. that's what they say, that she was, he was getting handsy with the little girl, like grabbed her and went and let go. And then good old Arnie just kind of like lost his shit. And so maybe that's what happened. And he used this possession thing. I mean, why not? I he mean, had it the was Warrens. convenient because yeah. it, just, it just happened. Well, the Warrens were like feeding it. Yeah. So you can imagine something that you've done. Okay, so uh, Lorraine Warren, who was then newly widowed, said in 2007 that such accusations that her and her husband would go as far as to manipulate a family for profit were upsetting. You can't imagine something that you've done that nobody could poke holes in and have something come out by somebody who knows nothing about what they are doing. What? Hmm? Doesn't make sense. Anyway, she's basically saying you can't poke holes in this story. Right. You know nothing about what you're talking about. So anyway, back in 1981, as the Merle murder trial of his big sister's trusted fiance was approaching. David Glatzel um, (laughs) was just entering the sixth grade. The reporter for People described him as clouded and grim at that time. The reporter uh, at that point in his childhood, his attacks and fits were less frequent. At times he still had to sleep with the light on. David was a good kid. He never bothered nobody. Carl Glatzel said in 2007, he lived a living hell because of the negative attention. So all of that was pretty detrimental to him. Yeah, it's it's like the, um. okay, so what I have learned, Warren's also in another, I, I don't watch their movies. So in another movie, I don't know which one, I guess a lion also moves. <laughs> And it's like possessed. Mm -hmm. And this monitor had mentioned that and said, hey, wasn't it another movie that you guys were involved in? That a lion or something? And they're like, yes, yes. And it was almost like, oh, fuck, we've used this one before, haven't we? Yes, the lion, the dinosaur. And he's like, so why do you think they do that? To scare you. I mean, it is true, like negative spirit will do things to scare you, to get a rise out of you, to feed off your energy. But I mean, I don't know that they're going to like possess a dinosaur and be like, I'm going to get you. <laughs> yeah, this is... They're, they're we, more likely to the, talk through our microphones. When we did the whole Amityville thing, yeah. there was a lot of stuff that was hyped by the Warrens yes. that was not true, more or less debunked. 
Right. Well, another thing that they do. Okay, so there's these two twin girls in London. And I watched one thing where the twin girls were like, yeah, it's all hoax. We made it up. And then they're doing another thing where they're meeting old Mrs. Warren and like, oh, it's so good. <laughs> and it's all like, wait, you did you forget that you said it was a hoax? Like, right. what's was that the Enfield right ones? Mm, the Enfield girls from England? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, yeah, people call them out on their bullshit. And then they're like, and if you watch all their stuff, Amityville, this one, like how many times are people going to get levitated? Like I promise you the reason I'm saying this is because I actually have people <laughs> that believe that that can happen to them right. and I promise you it's not gonna happen to you <laughs> I mean you've seen it in movies so many times where they, you like, truly think that lift you out of a bed that's so much energy to even yeah, fucking like, do that it's hard enough for them to flicker a light like the the last thing they're gonna but, do I don't know because it one thing is spirit another thing is something that's, the negative energy yeah but that's why i say like i recently helped somebody and was cle- cleansing their home and it was the same energy that was like if light wants you so it's dark and so it was coming it tried to bother me at one point and it's a hefty energy but i kept telling her please don't talk about it don't go home don't don't tell friends about it don't like don't feed it right if you keep thinking about it like is it still here I already told you it's gone. So if you keep thinking about it, you're going to bring it back because right. it knows you're thinking about it. Right. If you if you fester and worry and, and you're afraid of it, I'll never forget my mentor saying, yes, there is something bad at your house. And she's like, but if you just ignore it, it'll go away. Right. And so I do that every time. I will not acknowledge any negative. And if I feel like something's there, I just ignore it. Right. It's not going to get any energy from me. Even if I feel like it is scaring the living, loving shit out of me, it's not going to, it's not because light is way stronger. And all I have to do is pray to the light. <laughs> so anyway, I won't let that stuff get to me. And so much of it is made up. And so that's what you think of, though. You think of like, um, what is that one? Paranormal activity. Like you think of those things, people being pulled off their bed, levitated, right. blankets torn off of them. It's, I promise that's not going to happen. That's just like scare tactics. Yeah. That's, it's Hollywood. It's meant to get a rise out of it. <laughs> that's Hollywood. Right. <laughs> that's not true life. That doesn't happen. And if it does, then call Hollywood. <laughs> no. So, and this says, um, and all, all those. So I watched another interview that they did on their YouTube and they kept messing up their stories. So they also would be like, we had seven priests. And I'm like, really? Because you you said six. So what is it? Six or seven? Right. And then um, all these priests that they say they had, none of them will come forward and say that they performed any kind of exorcism or anything. Right. They will not confirm the story. So, I mean, there's that. Right. And so, do the, you think that she has any abilities? Because they kind of hype that. In the- yeah. I mean, I'll never say if somebody does or doesn't, because I don't want somebody to do that to me. Right. But I, this is my point when I'm constantly trying to teach people, is that just as you can take any religion, Catholic, Mormon. And twist it. Twist it to make money. 
and to benefit yourself. Right. You can do that with what I do. Right. And that's why I try and teach my people and I spend so much time with people is to teach them and give them validation so that people like this can't, I mean, there's just because somebody writes a bunch of books and can get a big audience, that just means they're good salespeople. Right. I'm a really good salesperson, but I am never going to lie to somebody. Well, Sparrow won't let me, but, <laughs> but I'm never going to make anything up or lie to somebody. Mm-mm, that's never going to happen. And that's what happens a lot, especially in this. Right. Because who's going to call you out? Who's to say you're wrong? I mean, there's a lot of skeptics, but I mean, there's a lot of believers. Right. That will pay good money for your story. I have some really good true stories, though. <laughs> <laughs> And they're not even this, they don't have to be this freaky. So all of David's family will deny this except for uh, Debbie and Arnie. Right. But of course, if they were to deny that this even happened, then that means they'd have to deny that he was possessed. Right. And that That he was an actual murderer. Right. Right. And Debbie later... Maybe he went into some sort of fugue state or something. I don't know. Debbie later died of cancer, though. Hmm. So she's not alive anymore. Arnie is like a tree trimmer or something. And David oh. Glatzel has kind of fallen off the face of the earth. He stays out of the public eye. I don't know if he's the should kind he of guy you want with a should chainsaw he should outside he of your house. <laughs> yeah. Should he be? Yeah. Um. But yeah. And then the parents have kind of... The only one that speaks up is Carl, the brother, but... He's just defending his family. Right. Anyway, that, that, my friends, is the truth. About the devil made me do, me do it. it. Don't, don't, don't. Crazy. So crazy. I have strong opinions that sometimes I should keep to myself, but I mean, not this time. <laughs> <laughs> not today, Satan. No, not today. It's not going to happen. Call me possessed. <laughs> Oh, you little devil, you made me do it. <laughs> All right. Well, oh my God, I can't stop. It's yawning. your fault. It's your fault. I want to blame it on yawning. you. Oh. Carlene made me do oh. it. Ow. Oh. <laughs> Trying to put my shoe on. My feet are so swollen. I think Carlene <laughs> needs to go home so she can be sedated. Oh, my feet are very swollen. She's having a rough time today. My back. My mental state. <laughs> I need Athena to come home with me. I know. One of these days. And cuddle. Athena. Oh, she'd definitely cuddle you. <laughs> oh, look at she, that tail. Athena has a PhD in cuddling. She was totally hugging me when you yeah. left the room. She loves to cuddle. She does. She's just Oof. like a few degrees hotter than these two. Well. She's hot. I crank my AC down. So. I always know when it's Athena next to me <coughs> and not them. Because she's so hot. I like, I'll just wake up just sweating. Oh. Okay. Well, all, all right. right. That's our spooky stories. That is our stories, folks. Thank you for listening. <laughs> we appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you very much. I'm going to talk. I, whenever I get like this, thank you very much. I'm going to say, I was possessed. The devil made me do it. <gasps> Lorraine, Lorraine Warren said I was possessed. Not Lorraine Bobbitt? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All righty, girl. Well, we're going to end it here. Thanks for listening. I'm Alma. <laughs>
And I'm Carlene. Have a good night. Good night.